Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Well, good morning, you guys. Um, my name is Liz, and I am the other lead pastor here at Life, along with Dan. Um, and I'm just thankful to be with you this morning. I look forward to Sunday each week, um, so it's good to be with you. And we're starting a new series that's going to kind of launch us into the fall. Who's excited about fall in general? I am. It's my favorite season. Um, it's been so refreshing to be back in the land of seasons. Uh, next, next Sunday is our one-year anniversary of setting foot back on Illinois soil. And uh, we're originally from Illinois, but lived in Baton Rouge for the last six years, and they don't have seasons there. <laughs> um, so I'm anticipating with great joy the season of fall. Because uh, at this time, normally in Baton Rouge, I would just, it would be like November before I feel comfortable like wearing pants again, you know, just so hot. So I'm excited. Uh, this new series is called Encounter. And we are going to be kind of combing through um, the Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, the Gospel writers, looking for these stories of encounter. And encounter feels like a fancy word, right? What, what does the word mean? I, I had to look it up because, you know, you think you know what it means, but I looked up the definition of how we're using it. And it's, it means to come upon or meet with, especially unexpectedly, to encounter a new situation. So there's this face-to-face -face meeting. It's a little unexpected, a little surprising. That's what the encounter stories we are going to be looking at. And it all happens because Jesus came in the flesh. And the, the, the stories in the gospel are about God coming to earth with flesh. And that changes the game for us. It changes the way we encounter God. That God comes in Jesus and meets us in our human experience. And so now these stories about Jesus' life on earth are ways that we see God face to face. On Facebook uh, this week, Dan asked two questions, which I thought were interesting. He said, do you remember when you first encountered Jesus? And do you remember the last time you encountered Jesus? Now, I think initially that first question um, can sometimes be tied maybe to our salvation experience, the, the time where you said yes to Jesus, um, maybe there was a big moment in your life where God's presence really became real. This God became real to you personally, and it changed you. And um, that happened to me as a teenager when I went to camp, my church's summer camp. Um, I had grown up knowing about God. I grew up in the church knowing about God. Um, but at camp, I had a profound experience of encountering Jesus, like overwhelmed by his love and personal um, interest in, in me, right? And so I had just this awe-awakening experience and encounter with Jesus that forever 
changed my life. I, from that day forward, I was pursuing him and a relationship with him. It wasn't just knowledge about God or this is what I do in my family. Um, this is just religion. It was now about this pursuit of a relationship. Um, and so sometimes we can think, oh, we, those, those big encounter moments. But we're created for encounter regularly with Jesus, right? Every day with Jesus. And because Jesus ascended to the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit to us so that we can have that encounter regularly. The Holy Spirit ministers to us God's presence. And so when, I, when Dan asked the question, when was the last time you encountered Jesus? Can you, can you recall that in your mind right now? And it could be something simple. It doesn't have to be those big moments that we sometimes think about, even though those moments do continue to happen throughout our life, and we pray for those, and we expect those. Um, for me, yesterday, I was listening to worship music, and I was just listening to it to drown out the noise in my house to get some stuff done. Um, so I was just listening to music. It happened to be worship music. Uh, but then, as I'm listening, a song came on, and my mind went from what I was doing to the words that were being sung, and my heart was really gripped by genuine worship, right? And I had this small, simple encounter with Jesus where I, I turned from what I was doing and, and really worshipped to that song. And that is just a, a very small encounter that I had recently. So how do we encounter Jesus today? How do we have these, this kind of ongoing um, encounter with Jesus in our life? That's um, through the Holy Spirit. He brings thoughts and impressions into our mind, into our heart. Sometimes it's that heart turn where it's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm turning towards God right now and what he might have to say to me. Maybe you meditate on some truth um, or you look for him in the midst of a situation or you find him in a relationship or a friendship. Maybe you're comforted by him in the midst of anxiety or, or pain or suffering. You know, we are known in relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The whole Trinity is, is enveloping us in this relationship where we encounter him in his fullness. So we're going to be looking at the Gospels and looking at some Jesus encounters and how he encountered the, his Father, how he encountered other individuals and groups of people, and what we can learn from those encounters. And we're going to look through this, this lens of how was Jesus being formed in those encounters? How were other people being formed that he was encountering? And what can we, what can we take away from, um, from that? Because we are constantly being formed by God and sent into this world to pursue kingdom living. When we say yes to God and, and turn our life over to him as Lord and Savior, he starts forming us and shaping us. He does this transforming work in us, right? It's ongoing, and he has a, a plan for each one of us that is um, 
beyond what we can create in our own mind, right? And Ephesians tells us this. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you, ta- you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece, and he has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. When we accept God's saving grace, we are his new creation work, right? He starts doing a new thing in us, and that new thing just keeps going and going and going. And it's all his grace. It's all his gift. But he is creating us to be this masterpiece that he has known and seen and planned long ago. And what I find beautiful about this is that he has this whole plan for us that we just walk in. The good things he planned for us long ago, we walk in line with him and he does it, right? Um, So this morning, our Jesus encounter story is actually from the Gospel of Matthew. And it's, it's, um, it's going to start with uh, Jesus' baptism. And Jesus' baptism is recorded in all four Gospels. Um, unlike his birth, is actually only recorded in two, which is crazy because we give this whole season to his birth. And I think we don't really talk about his baptism that much, you know? But it was a pinnacle moment, his baptism. It's in all four um, gospel stories. And then um, the next section leading in to the wilderness. So we're going to look at this encounter this morning from Matthew. I I will have it up on the screen. It's a little wordy because it goes on for a while. But it starts in um, Matthew 3, 13. And that's where I'm going to start reading. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. And after his baptism, As Jesus was coming out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil, For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. And during that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to the holy city Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot or on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. 
Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And the devil went away, and the angels came and took care of Jesus. So first, Jesus has this encounter with his father. And I feel like it's one of the most beautiful, blessed scenes of all of scripture. He is being baptized, and as he's coming out of the water, the heavens open, and the Spirit falls on him in complete fullness. What does that even look like? And then the Father's voice, the Father's voice. I mean, can you imagine hearing the Father's voice say, this is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Those are some of the most precious words. To hear the Father's voice give you such love and acceptance. You can feel it. You can almost imagine yourself being God's dearly own son or daughter and hearing him say that to you. I mean, there's no greater feeling than this experience that the Father was blessing Jesus with. Just his love, his love, his love. And then the next thing that happens is he has an encounter with Satan. Really, he is, he is led by the Holy Spirit to go into the wilderness. He is led by the Holy Spirit into battle where he's going to become weak and tired and hungry. So really the, the opposite experience of what just happened. <clears throat> and it's all joined together by this word, and then Jesus was led. Mark's gospel says, the Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. There's a quick movement here from this encounter with the Father and this blessing and affirmation to an encounter with Satan and the battle. And it's a swift movement. Why did Jesus do this? Why did he go from this most blessed, I would just stay there, you know, like, let's just stay here where I have complete favor and love and acceptance and no one's rocking the boat. It feels great. Straight into the wilderness. I mean, he knew what the wilderness was going to be like. But it was the Spirit of God who led Jesus into the wilderness. He had just been filled with the fullness of the Spirit. So, I mean, it's not like he was hearing the Spirit wrong or was confused. He completely trusted the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He completely trusted that this was the Father's very own Spirit um, bringing him, leading him into the wilderness. And he said yes. And here's the thing. The wilderness <clears throat> was part of God's for Jesus's formation. For Jesus's formation. Did you know that Jesus grew and was formed and shaped by his father? This was part 
of God's plan for Jesus's formation, the wilderness. Now, you and I can be thrown into the wilderness without warning, right? We're not always led there by the Holy Spirit in this kind of encounter. But unforeseen circumstances can take us there quite quickly. Um, We've been there for over a year sustaining this global pandemic, right? And it just keeps coming. It just keeps coming. The fear, the division, the things I should be doing, the things I shouldn't be doing. Um, It's all pushing in on us. And it's not just the global pandemic, but it's every other thing that's going on in life, right? It's political unrest and global unrest and natural disasters and personal situations and situations with your family and friends and Afghanistan and the heartbreak that's going on there and the Christians being persecuted. It goes, it's going on and on and on. And we don't like pain and suffering. We want to avoid it. And in, in our avoidance, we've come up with all kinds of dysfunctions this past year and a half, I would say. But, but God uses these seasons of wilderness to purposely form us in him. He has a plan. We learn from Ephesians. He does have a plan for us that involves um, shaping and forming beyond our imagination, beyond our understanding, what we are incapable of doing for our own self. And it can be challenging, and it can be uncomfortable, and it can feel like something we want to run away from. A few months ago, Dan and I got really into this Netflix show. Maybe that's one of those uh, last year and a half uh, coping mechanisms, right? Netflix. Oh, sorry about that. But it was this series called Blown Away. And it's about a competition on glass blowing. So contestants compete in different categories. You know, they have to make a certain thing and a certain theme. And so... And they have so much time to compete and make their uh, piece of art. And then their different sculptures are presented and judged by the experts that come on the show. And, And then there's the elimination, you know, and so one person gets kicked off and then you start the next, uh, the next challenge, right? And as people are eliminated, eventually there is one winner who um, receives a residency at the, uh, the Corning Museum of Glass, you know, and so they get to pursue their glass-blowing dreams. And it's really a fascinating process to watch. Um, <clears throat> what they, the, the materials they start with and the art that they create, the process is, I mean, unimaginable. You would never, you would never come up with that on your own, that that could happen, but it does. And so I found just a quick YouTube video to kind of show us the process of glass blowing.
go. Watch the show on Netflix if you have Netflix, because it's much more exciting than that video. But because they're running around and they have time, you know, they're under time constraints and glasses breaking and people are yelling and it's it's crazy. Um, <laughs> but the the point of this is is now, did you see the raw materials that he started out with, right? And and this is what he created in the end. Um, and you know, to make the analogy to us as humans, God starts out w with us. We're just raw materials in his hands. We're just, just humans in his hands, and he creates us into this wonderful masterpiece, something unimaginable that we could, nev we could never uh, create ourselves. But he does the work. Now, the work is so challenging. Now, if this glass had a voice, and could cry out and talk to us, I bet it would be resistant and screaming and uh, not happy. Because you know that um, fire kiln thing that it was going into on the pole? That's like over 2,000 degrees hot. It's, I mean, and it literally m melts it and changes its form completely. And so now it's, it starts with this glass and it's broken down to like molten lava what look look that's what it looks like to me and then they blow it and they shape it and they stretch it and they pull it and they squeeze it and do all these things to it until it's in the shape that the artist creates and it's quite a challenging process to create this thing of value, a very uncomfortable process, I would imagine. And our encounter story with Jesus this morning tells us to expect the times of wilderness. Expect them, because they are one of God's tools for shaping and forming. <clears throat> and the, the wilderness experiences uh, are, it can be anything. Any circumstance that starts to just dry us up and feel like it's emptying us out. It could be one circumstance or it can be a season of wilderness where it feels like we're, we're taking it from all fronts and we can't quite get out of it. And I think in some sense um, we've been in a corporate season of wilderness. The church is navigating new territory for the last year and a half, right? It feels like, ha I mean, half of the United States church has disappeared in every church. It is a wilderness kind of landscape. Like, what are we doing? There's division and there's fracture and there's all this um, uncomfortable stuff happening. But um, I really feel like we can live in that tension of this is the wilderness and God is going to meet us in this place and he is going to do work that only he can do in the wilderness. And it really is a season of refinement that can feel like we're blindsided by, but it exposes our, our comforts and it exposes our dependencies, it exposes our idols, it exposes the things that we turn to when our, 
foundations are shaken that are not Jesus. And Jesus wants to be the center of our lives. He wants to be the center of the church, and he will be glorified. And so we will keep pursuing him and seeking him in the midst of the landscape of the wilderness. He is there. Now, some maybe descriptions of what uh, the wilderness looks like or feels like um, spiritually. I have a few. Um, God seems distant. Maybe you can't seem to feel him like you have in times past. Maybe your prayers just feel like they're kind of dribbling to the floor, falling out, rather than really this experience of you and God and heaven touching earth. The circumstances of life seem to be crushing you on multiple fronts. This season is characterized by discomfort, loss, hardship, and pain, things that you want to escape. And you can often feel tempted to numb the pain and escape it through temporary comforts, busyness, denial, or despair. Now, I'm sure you can identify with one or more of those things in this past year and a half. Maybe you identify with all of those and you feel like, I am in a season of wilderness personally, as well as maybe on the corporate scale. These are just natural human responses to the type of season that wilderness is. But you can also welcome God into this space and into your heart and into your mind. Because that is the promise, that God's presence is with you in the wilderness. And it doesn't mean that you overlook the pain or the suffering or the, real, the realness that is the wilderness, but it's acknowledging that he really is there with you in the midst of it, and he has a plan for your life in the midst of that, and that he can use these times to shape and form us. Satan intends to harm and to destroy and to deceive. That's what he did with Jesus in the wilderness. That's what his temptations were all about. But God uses these things for good. And so we have to kind of live in that tension and hold the tension that the wilderness is. And the posture that Jesus takes in this encounter is complete dependence on the Holy Spirit. And he knows God's word deep inside of him, right? Because as he's in the wilderness, you know, he didn't like tuck in his back pocket the scroll and like pull it out as Satan was quoting scripture and say, well, actually, uh, you know, you're kind of wrong. This is what Deuteronomy says. He didn't have that resource, right? Where was the resource? It was inside of him, right? He had that scripture deep inside his heart and mine. And so that speaks to the kind of relationship he had with his father throughout his whole life leading up to this wilderness experience. He didn't win the wilderness experience in the wilderness. He won it throughout his whole life of formation and coming to this culmination, the battle of the wilderness, and he depended on the things that he ingested inside of his heart and mind growing up. We don't know a lot about Jesus from age 3 to 30, right? But he was studying the scriptures. 
He knew Deuteronomy. And what's interesting is Deuteronomy, all the, the scriptures that Jesus quotes to Satan to refute his lies in that passage are from Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is a story in the Old Testament about Israel wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years getting it wrong. And Jesus comes and is the new and better Israel that didn't fail. So when we fail, Jesus doesn't fail. He trusts God's way. He trusts his father enough to say, okay, Satan is coming at me, telling me, you know, you don't actually have to believe that stuff. You don't actually have to suffer this way. You don't have to be the suffering servant. You don't have to go to the cross. You can just display your power and show everybody that you are the leader that everybody wants you to be. And he says no. He says no to that. And he trusts God's provision. He trusts God's care. He trusts God's plan, even when he can't see it. I don't think that Jesus really felt close to the Father in the wilderness. He was hungry. He was tired. He was fasting. He didn't have any food. He probably wasn't feeling super close and intimate with the Father. He probably felt the things that we would feel humanly in the wilderness. But he trusted his Father in the midst of the pain and the suffering. And really, that was his life mission, to be this suffering servant. And so, as we look at this encounter, I want to give us three takeaways. Three, three um, what do I normally call them? Practical tips. <laughs> as we close, um, of, how, of how we can navigate this. One would be to welcome God's presence into the wilderness. Now, when I mean welcoming his presence, his, his presence is always at work in our lives, but we sometimes need to, to welcome it and acknowledge it and be awakened to it, really. So God is always present and at work, but if you feel like you are in the wilderness, Welcome his presence into that place, into that space. And a lot of times we need other people to minister God's presence to us, to minister his presence into our situation, into our hearts. That's why we have prayer time after the service, so that we can minister God's presence to one another. So welcome his presence into the wilderness. Second, build spiritual rhythms into your life to train and prepare you for when the wilderness comes. Because it's not if the wilderness is coming to your life, it's when. And so when it comes, do you have those, those inner things that you've built into your soul like Jesus so that you, you can endure the season of wilderness? We don't know how long it's always going to go on for. Right? That's how I feel right now. How long is this really going to go on for? Um, some of you might know that I am training for the Chicago Marathon, and it's about seven weeks away. You don't just wake up and run the Chicago Marathon. Okay? Um, the, the legend of how the marathon started, the, the guy died running the 26 miles, right? Um, it's... Uh, 
a, a story for another day. But uh, it takes a lot of hard work. And you may think, oh, Liz, you like running. That's no problem. But if I just ran whenever I felt inspired or really happy to run, oh, it might be once a week. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, only when the weather is nice and it's not too humid and it's like 65 and, you know, everyone's happy and I have no other responsibilities. And, um, you know, I mean, it would be it would be a fantasy. But I have been training since May and sometimes it's all I can do to like make myself just like put on my running clothes and go out the door and do the miles that I don't want to do and do the hard work. Um, and it's not always inspiration and butterflies, you know? It's sometimes hard, grueling work with lots of setbacks and injuries and pain and toenails that fall off, you know? That's why I often wear closed-toed shoes. <laughs> it's not glamorous all the time. It's really not. Um, but I will tell you, the training will get me to the goal. I will succeed. <laughs> at running the marathon because I've put in the training. And you can endure those, the, the, the wilderness times when you put in the spiritual training. And I'm going to give you a, uh, an exercise, not a physical exercise, but um, a takeaway for, for number three, to try this week imaginatively reading through this passage. So this passage is Matthew 3, 13 through 4, 11. That's the the baptism and being led into the wilderness. And when I say um, imaginatively reading, we often read, we can read scripture for study, you know, to learn a good takeaway, a good thing that God is teaching us. But I'm asking you to step into the story imaginatively and um, set aside five, ten minutes, ask God to, to bless your imagination. And maybe you, you get out your Bible and you read through this passage slowly and you just imagine the story. Imagine yourself being there. Imagine what it was like for Jesus. Take in the scene. See what the Holy Spirit gives you. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What things do you see as the heavens open up and the Spirit descends and, and Satan is saying these things and Jesus is saying these things? What, what does that look like? And then, you know, just thank God for meeting with you and try it again. And that is, that's how we take, we take in the presence and we make it go a little bit deeper into our, our souls. Is that this, these are things that, that really happen. And we want, we want to encounter Jesus more. So let's step in to the story, the stories that he has for us and see what we can um, glean from those encounters as well. So um, I'm going to ask the band to come back up as we um, transition to our time of worship this morning. And Jesus, we just, we thank you for the way that you lived your life, Jesus. We're thankful for um, that you were constantly led by the Father and the Holy Spirit. And you didn't just come to, to blast the world. 
You came as the suffering servant, and that is so challenging for us sometimes. It's so challenging for us to, to enter into the life that you lived here on earth, but you give us the empowerment through the Holy Spirit to do it. So I pray that you would refresh us this morning as we worship you. I pray that we would take our eyes off of ourselves, off of this season, off of the wilderness, and just say, Jesus, we worship you this morning. And what, what do you want to fill us with? What truth do you want to leave in us? What, what thing do you want to deposit in us this morning? God, we're open. We are open to you doing your work in us. Form us. Make us your masterpiece. We love you, Jesus. And so we enter into worship to you this morning. Amen. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.